Let's say that you're defending chocolate, and I'm defending vanilla. Now, if I were to say to you, vanilla is the best flavor of ice cream, you'd say... No, chocolate is. Exactly. But you can't win that argument. So, I'll ask you. So you think chocolate is the end-all and be-all of ice cream, do you? It's the best ice cream. I wouldn't order any of it. Oh, so it's all chocolate for you, is it? Yes, chocolate is all I need. Well, I need more than chocolate. And for that matter, I need more than vanilla. I believe that we need freedom and choice when it comes to our ice cream. And that, Joy Naylor, that is the definition of liberty. But that's not what we're talking about. Ah, but that's what I'm talking about. But you didn't prove that vanilla is the best. I didn't have to. I proved that you're wrong. And if you're wrong, I'm right. But you still didn't convince me. It's that I'm not after you. I'm after them. Hi, and welcome to the second R&R um, &R podcast with Ryan and Jasmine Shojinaga. I'm Jasmine. I'm Ryan. It's Sunday night, and here we are. We're going to talk about feminism. <laughs> we are going to talk about feminism, our second podcast, and we're already on feminism. A heavy topic. But not just feminism. We're going to talk about uh, backlash against feminism, what we've perceived as, and what I think is turned... Um, post-feminism, maybe anti-feminism, uh, maybe there's some other terms out there, I don't know, but, so we're not going to really focus necessarily on feminism, obviously we have to talk about some ground rules about it, um, or as we see it, uh, but then we're just going to sort of launch into um, discussion of um, what we see is this negative reaction, maybe some positive, um, against feminism and women's rights, basically. Yeah. So what you just heard was um, a little excerpt from a movie, Thank You for Smoking. Yep, Aaron Eckhart. Yep. Um, now we're gonna tie we're gonna tie that scene into the conversation a little bit later, but just keep that the point that Aaron Eckhart's trying to make in that little scene in the back of your mind throughout the podcast. Okay, so Ryan, when you were doing your research. What, what definitions did you come up with? Um, the definition sort of that I came across in my own mind um, as I was doing this and what I've thought about um, quite a bit in terms of feminism is that it's, it's sort of subset, sub-branch of uh, human rights. I think that's a really nice way to put it, that it's a branch or a subset of human rights because, because women, you know, lacked many rights that were that men enjoyed for a long time. So it was about advocating for human rights and those humans that they were advocating for just happened to be women. Right. Remember, um, in uh, today, to this day, there are countries that um, legislate, you know, men and women are not equal under, the, um, under law. You could even argue that in uh, developed countries, such is the case, um, if, if not law, then certainly other things, uh, pay scale, um, the way that you're treated apparently walking down the street. Um, but even in you know the first world, not that long ago, uh, women were not given the right to vote. Yeah. Um, women were, women were what, were treated in the same manner that um, you know minorities were treated. Yeah. And well, yeah. are treated and. As minorities are similarly treated now, depending on where you live. Yeah, which is super interesting because we're not a minority by any means. 
So it was interesting that, that we were treated that way. Or women were treated that way. Mm. Um, all right. So now that you've sort of started talking about a little bit of the history, we, let, let's let's explore that a little bit more, mm. shall we? So um, if you think... So today we're talking about contemporary fem- feminism. I just want to try and make that clear because there are a few different... Um, they call them waves of feminism throughout history and we want to talk about where we are right now. But maybe before we get to that, we can talk about where we started. Well, uh, around late 19th century, early 20th century. Again, this is all geography dependent, but um, women began advocating for and receiving, uh, you know, having legislation passed that gave granted them the right to vote. Yeah. Uh, New Zealand, I think in 1894, um, granted, they were first uh, amongst Asian and first world British colonial countries to grant the, the right to vote. New Zealand got it above us again. And then South Australia, uh, on a statewide basis, um, did so uh, not too much longer after that. So in the 60s, what happened in the 60s? So the second wave begins. Uh, there are all of these other social and economic inequalities. You know, they've, they've received the right, they, they can vote, they have citizenship, but they don't have uh, the same sort of... A, Equal employment opportunities, right. things like um, that. They don't have the, they have a there's a ceiling basically that yeah. you can only go so far go so far in your career. Uh, you're definitely not going to make the same amount of money um, doing the same job. Additionally, they uh, they sought more autonomy over their own bodies. So that I think you know, second wave incorporates those economic issue, issues, social issues, um, and again, see human rights. It's a human human rights issue. So the third wave um, of feminism has set itself another group of goals to in their you know advocacy for women's rights, and those those goals include things like rape, incest, prostitution, and and trafficking, female genital mutilation, which been has been a pretty um, hot topic for the last sort of 15 years or so both within and without feminism as an issue like yeah. it's it's one of those things that uh, um, not everyone can agree upon yeah so then uh, the two things that we that sort of overlap with the second wave as well which is the glass ceiling phenomenon for anyone who doesn't know what that is it's um, a women's inability to climb up the ladder of success in, in their career um Equal pay is another big one. Mm-hmm. Still fighting for that, which is interesting, especially in Australia at the moment, because it's actually increased. It's only doubled. In Australia on who you ask. Well, new, newest ABS um, information suggests that in uh, Australia it's now 17%. They're a government organization. What can you expect from them? Hey? Well, the government, what do you mean? Oh, they get it wrong quite frequently. Well, yeah, okay. But, I mean, um, if they were going to get it wrong, you'd think they'd get it wrong in favour of the government. <laughs> when actually it's um, under the current government seems to have almost doubled. But anyway, side sidebar. Um, and a new one, which I think is is really interesting and I don't think that um, is at the forefront of people's knowledge about where feminism is going at the moment, but um, paternity leave. Is mm. another big goal for feminism, and if you 
if that's confusing um, to anyone because it's actually paid leave for dads. Um, the reason that feminism advocates for that is because it allows for family choices. So while, while women often feel that it, they're the ones that are pressured to, to stay home because, one, they don't earn as much as their partner can earn, or two, it's just viewed as their job, or three, that they get maternity leave, um, offering paternity leave for, for, ma- for the male counterpart of the yeah. family will, yeah, expand those, those family choices out a little bit better. Now, here in Australia, from what I understand, it's, they don't differentiate. It's as long as you are the primary caregiver. If you're at home um, with the kid or kids, uh, it's the same. I'm well, they're your government. Not... Well, they're your government payments, but your job oh, is yeah. different. So, if you're a permanent employee, you you're not entitled to maternity leave. So it depends pay. on the employer, basically. Yeah. And and it's not guaranteed that that employer is going to be, they're going to care. Yeah. Um, well, as far as I know, paternity leave isn't. It's funny too because I think that if you know if it had been, like, a lot of the jobs that I've worked at, they they would have, they would have been fine with that. They, but paid paid leave. I don't think they would have discriminated if 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 it was um, if they do it for women, they would have mm. done it for me as well. Okay, Mate, my, that would probably be an interesting topic to explore. As yeah, well. but with that said, I don't know if that's. I mean, again, if it's up to the if it's up to the boss. Um, and that boss is, you know, yeah. thinks a certain way, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So. Okay, so that's the wave that we're in. They're the goals that um, international women's associations around the world are fighting for. So that includes second wave and third wave goals. So yep. social, economic equality, and then all of those other issues such yep. as rape, um, um, abuse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, violence against women. Yeah. yeah, that type of thing. And violence against women's actually on the UN agenda as well um, at the moment. Mm. And now let's take a break with a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for a surefire way to rocket yourself into high society? Sick of being treated like upper middle class when you drop your kids off at school and you're RAV4? Don't buy a BMW you can't afford, buy a knighthood. Our knighthoods are completely legitimate, genuine positions offered by the Prime Minister, Tony Abbott. For less than what you'd pay for a luxury car, you can now purchase a knighthood to show the upper class that you're one of them. Mr Abbott will be offering knighthoods for the duration of his appointment as Prime Minister, so get in now before the LNP's voted out and this offer is gone for good. Call now on 1-800-KNIGHTHOOD or visit our website to purchase online at www.knightlytones.com.au. Okay, so um, now that we've set that stuff up and we know where we are and we know a little bit about the history and how things have evolved, let's have a think about um, the different points of view about contemporary feminism. Sure. The third wave. Let's do it. Okay, so what when we were doing some research, our research, we kind of found four... four rough you know points of view that we could roughly put most people into i thought it was five and then i found a sixth one that i was thinking about but not sure Mm -hmm. about we thought that there would be uh these um so you have your well let's first talk about it from the feminist standpoint so you have sort of extremism so you've got radical feminism uh then you have what 
you might consider to be a gar- garden variety feminist. It's a term that I've coined, thank you very much. <laughs> but it just sort of applies to someone who would identify as a feminist, but would not identify with um, what they've viewed and probably what a lot of people view as extremism um, in feminism. Yeah. Then you have uh, an undecided, someone who clearly is sympathetic toward women's rights, um, wouldn't see any reason why women couldn't and shouldn't have um, the same opportunity, same um, same economic situation, social situation, political situation uh, as a man. Um, but just, you know, maybe don't really know where feminism's at yeah. right now. Has, uh, you know, is um, very wary of it. Um, I actually think I, I, I would probably put myself in this category. Undecided. Undecided. Okay. And, and I've, yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah. So another viewpoint, traditionalism. Yep. That's uh, people that believe that genders go in certain boxes and there's men's roles and women's roles. Um, and they're fairly inflexible with what those set set in stone. Yeah. And they've, they've been that way, um, since the beginning of time and they will um, exist in perpetuity. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the fifth one is the post-feminist. Um, we've seen other sort of uh, uh, monikers such as anti-feminist yeah. or... Um, I think the, gen- the term given now by academia is post-feminist. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that some people will, would term them anti-feminists. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I have one, I was thinking about it uh, last night, and that's... Um, that's Haters. So do you mean haters as in men who hate women and women who hate men? Yes. Yes. And I, I, I think that, that this category sort of transcends the whole notion of issues of gender, gender equality. And again, I don't know whether it couldn't fit into something else. Yeah. Um, but uh, those are my six. And, and again... We're painting, painting with a very broad brush, so please take this conversation with a bit of a grain of salt, because because certainly, like like I said, I, I, I think I identify a bit with undecided. I'll explain my reasons later, um, but I don't really know, and I think that uh, I have in the, in the past identified as a feminist. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll have changed my mind <laughs> by the end of this. Uh... I'll convince you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so let's get started with the... Let's talk about radical feminism. Radical feminism. Yeah, we'll start at that end. Uh, I think what I found, uh, Andrea Dworkin, back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. 70s and 80s, sorry. Um, sort of the archetypal radical feminist. What do you know about her? Not much. Yeah, I don't really know much about it either. The, some things about what she says, has said in her books, what she believes and has expressed in what she's written. Um, I've actually not read any of her material, so I couldn't tell you if that's what um, she says. I'm not going to repeat some of it. If that is how she feels, it's kind of... Uh, it's on the hater's side of things. On the hater's side of things, but, but also sort of more on the radical side of things, sort of trying to look at the issue from a uh, you know perspective that... like. Look, the way that we're doing it isn't working. 
you know, we really need to have some radical change. We need to like think about this on like a fundamental level. Yeah. And so she like was bringing things down to just the like the nature of heterosexual intercourse. Like, what does it mean? What does it really, really mean? I mean, it, it, you could say that it means that you're gonna make a baby, or at least gonna try to make a baby. Although that's not always the intent, but mm. but even just the act, like the the, the domination, and submission. She was very, um, you know, anti-pornographic. Uh, yeah, and that's a big cornerstone for radical radicalism. Radical. I think is the anti-porn, um, and that yeah, the stance they take on pornography because they do they believe that it's very. Um, you know, derogatory towards women, and that more, you know, most of the time women are, are presented as being dominated or oppressed right. in a sexual way. Um, what else uh, about radical feminism? Changing sexual culture, so those uh, gender roles, trying to break down traditional gender roles. I think that kind of overlaps a little bit as well with you, just your your garden variety feminist mm. too. Um, like we saw in Australia just recently before Christmas, Larissa Waters, the Greens MP, made a comment about um, children's toys. And do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, she wanted, she sort of created that no gender December type thing, which there was a lot of uproar about in Australia. Mm. A lot of people were um, not happy about the things that she said. Another area of feminism where I kind of overlap into radical a little bit. Oh, the, the gen- generals. The, well, I think... Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I don't agree. I just, I really... I mean, I, I think that people are really taking out of context what she's trying to say, which is if your child wants to play with whatever, let them play with it. Just because it's a doll doesn't mean that a boy can't have it or whatever. Yeah. She's not trying to tell people to buy girls soccer balls. Yeah. Like, and, and prescribe, you know, certain gifts for certain genders. Like, she's trying to say... Don't think about gender. Yeah. Okay, I haven't finished talking about radical oh, right. feminism. I um, I want to know where they are. Well, they're on college campuses for sure. Oh. I, mean, <laughs> I can't really find many of them. Um, I think if they, if they, I mean, I know that they they exist, but if you know, they're they're a very small percentage of the feminist movement. I think. I wouldn't even hazard a guess. Well, I found it, and this kind of probably overlaps into the haters section a little bit, but remember I was telling you that I was, I was searching for people to just hate blokes because, uh, you know, there's a few blokes that have like made comments about, um, some feminists saying that men should be reduced to 10% of the population and, you know, that being a feminist is a perfectly, you're perfectly justified in saying that you hate men, things like that. And, so you have and that's gonna that that's stuff. gonna like you know raise a few eyebrows. I think yeah. people saying things like that. But I was sort of looking around to try and find, well, you know, how many, what what percentage of feminists out there are just on the hate wagon? If you're a man hater, call in at this number five 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 four four five. I did I did find a Facebook page called the Man Haters Official Man Haters Club. Oh, yeah? Right on Facebook. Guess how many followers it's got? Uh, 700,000. No. <laughs> I don't know. In the 10s? 20s? 89. 89. Well, I mean, you know... I mean, come on, blokes. There's, what, 3 billion of you? And 89 people hate you? <laughs> Get a grip. Just because they don't belong to that page doesn't mean they don't hate you. <laughs> 
No, I agree. I just thought that was interesting because it's look, very I, it's a very small. I agree. Number. I I've in sort of my travels was thinking at the back of my in the back of my mind that does this really exist and and but but it's but it has to. I think, I think it the, does. I think it um, does. Like any like any movement, I think there is always a radical side of it. Right. Um, I didn't really do any, you know, looking beyond uh, just sort of the radical feminine, you know, the, basically Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. And following, like, Andrew Dwork and some of the other um, radical feminists. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really know that much about it or, if, or how many are out there. I kind of thought if they were out there, they'd probably be on social media. So I went to Facebook. Anyway. Well, okay. So actually, this, this is, um, that's a good point. Prior to... Prior to us beginning sort of the research for this, I uh, stumbled across an article um, about this woman who, she writes for Jezebel. I can't remember her name. I'll post it on on the website with the blog because I don't, I want to get it right. She wrote this article about uh, responding to one of the, um, one of the more vitriolic comments written to one of the articles that she wrote and a lot of the article discusses this constant not even just daily but hourly uh, feeling like people want you to shut the fuck up yeah and it's coming at you from all directions um constantly and so i think in the sense that when you say all the you if you're a radical feminist, then you'd probably be on social media. Yet yeah, you might, and you might have thick skin, um, but I don't know if I, could, I don't know if I could be uh, put subject myself to just being told I'm I'm an idiot. Yeah. I'm gonna get raped. I'm gonna get killed. Um, you better not come into around here because. You well, know. you're lucky you don't have breasts and a vagina, then, Ryan. Great, done, radicalist. Feminism is in the bag. And now we're moving on to garden salad feminists. I mean, garden variety feminists. Garden variety. All of the salad seems to be quite interesting. Okay. So, garden variety feminist. feminist. Go. I don't have any gardens. Okay. So, uh, according to... Well, I have found a really good article um, in a magazine, a US magazine from 2013... I think it was Jezebel. Is that a magazine in the US? Uh, yes. I, well, yeah. I don't know where it's from, but it is a, it's an online magazine. Okay. It might even be paint paper, but I think it's online. So this, um, this article talked about feminism still fighting across five main fronts in America, at least, at the moment. Division of domestic labor was the first one, which I think is really interesting because, um, you know, you've got women in the workforce, in sometimes pretty demanding career positions in the workforce. So how do you divide domestic labour? I think there's an issue, though, for lots of people, and that's that women find themselves working and taking care of the home as well. And so there are lots of disputes around the division of domestic labour. You know what's actually really interesting about the division of domestic labour? Those TV shows that, or like ads 
that portray men to be just completely effing hopeless when it comes to anything around the house. Like, oh, you know, they, they run colours together. Or when they do the laundry. Or, you know, they just don't know how to work a dishwasher. And, and just yep. general crap like that. They just make them out to be such morons. But they're appealing to women. That's the demographic. Yeah, but it's not because I mean, women are sort of sort of going. Well, what does this just give you license not to do anything because you're an idiot? No, it gives women the justification for feeling pissed off. Well, I think it's also really like not doing men any favors either because it's it's making them out to be really dumb. TV has not done a lot of favors for many people. No, but I think it's interesting <laughs> that that's the perspective that the media is putting out there because that's one of the issues. Is what does the oh, media? Oh look, I think portray? I think it's kind of a low hanging fruit thing for advertisers. Like ah, oh, we got to sell Let's this go product. With the sexes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and that brings us to the media. So that's the second. Uh, that's the second front that um, this woman talks about. So the third front, the glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. My feelings on the glass ceiling are, I don't know if it exists. And, but I suspect that it does to a certain degree. All right, let me just tell you, it does. And only because I've done, I did a lot of work around this in language and gender when I started. That's fine, that's fine. One of the things of, one of, one of the themes in the backlash against feminism is this notion of equal opportunity empowering oneself um, if you if you just try hard enough then you will succeed we certainly have anecdotal cases of that um, being the case but we don't I think that we <laughs> a very very short-sighted yeah to, like it's like like let's you know <laughs> Johnny is you know now the CEO uh, of you know this big company never having graduated from high school and that's great like look there's, doesn't happen anymore. Like, well, no, it does. I think it does. But, but, I'm talking about relative to all of those other cases where, um, where it doesn't happen. Yeah. Now, mind you, there are a lot of factors at play here that are so complicated. It's not. It's not just a straightforward thing as saying like, you know, the the, the equal opportunity in the states where. Where there were specific places in academia, that were created for minorities. Um, you know, scholarships and grants and whatnot that targeted the targeted uh, um, minorities, women, other sort of. True, but they were targeted because of this issue. They were they were created. Because right, of that's that. what I'm saying. So, but 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 the notion, this backlash against is like, well, why do we need that? Like when you really think yeah, about that's it, right. when you they're really saying, think well, about why don't we just pick the best person for the job? Right, and and that um, people have gotten into positions less qualified yeah um than the white male did and i think that that's that's one of those notions of where the backlash comes yeah, from because people where, get pissed off about where that. white men feel oppressed because they didn't you know and again it's it's just completely ignoring the the backdrop of the you know the story behind that well there is a it's a complex situation there are a myriad of environmental factors that mm. go into to Underachievement, basically. Yeah, but it doesn't. And it doesn't. Of gender and underachievement. Of, uh, it doesn't feel race. good not to be recognised for your qualifications and achievements, and I think that's what the backlash 
people have started to realise. It's just that they don't. It's it just hasn't. They been. can't. They can't put themselves That's in the perspective right. of, of those. Exactly. And I'm not saying for every happening. one of them, however many people, exactly, black, white, Asian, woman, women, you know, gay, whatever, have how experienced many of them that injustice yeah, exactly. as well. Yeah. And not saying that that makes it okay. I don't think that it should be well, you've got a taste of your own medicine because that particular person may never have dealt out that no, to anyone before. And I don't think that that's right. I think that it's it has to be equal opportunity, not opportunity for women. Right. I definitely agree with that. The The problem with the glass ceiling is, is that, and I mean, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yep. Right. So if you think about the glass ceiling, the reason that it exists is because it is kind of about who you know. And what relationships and networking you can pull off as a woman. Right. If you don't play golf, smoke cigars and, you know, drink at the country club, you might not get the promotion that, you know, Bill does because he does do all of those things because that's what all of the blokes in the office do right. together. Right. So you can't, you know, it's, it's more difficult for them to network. Well, and the notion of like the old boys club, how often do you hear that phrase just yeah. sort of thrown out there? Um, and it's this impenetrable, yeah. like it's this group that you'll never, you know, yeah. you'll never. So if there's no legislation requiring them to hire a female, they won't. No. Um, anyway, I just thought that that was. No, no, not necessarily. I think that. Oh, not. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's going to happen in hundred percent of cases, but obviously it happens in most. Otherwise we wouldn't have a male dominated no, okay. employment atmosphere. But what does that mean? It just means that more men work than women. Right? Occup- oh, okay. so Occup- occupations are a male... I have long have for a long time been a masculine arena of life. Oh, within then sort of the nominal female occupations, being a teacher, being a nurse. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that, this is the thing. Like, And even if you read... like, So this was actually one of the studies that I was going to do with um, a professor yeah yeah at griffith um about occupational gender in spanish because the 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 language they use because their nouns are genderfied right so if it's a it's a masculine noun or a feminine noun and they use that with occupations but if they're advertising for a nurse or a nanny they use the feminine version so it is very tight like if you're advertising for a lawyer it might say un abogado, which is the masculine, right? So that it kind of subconsciously tells the reader that they want a man to apply for that job. Mm. And if it's an, for a nanny, that they want a woman to apply for that one. So what if a man wants to apply for a nanny's position? Okay. It's kind of, you know, it goes both ways, but I think that it's that's definitely been the way that um, occupations have been. Um Anyway, do you have anything else to say about the glass ceiling? Okay. Social inequality. So we kind of already talked about that with gender roles that are perpetuated by toys and things like that. Violence against women is the last one. I think that's a really interesting um, point because it just still remains the stats around violence against women are pretty sickening. What I've seen says that men are being <laughs> abused just as much as women. That's a, that's really interesting because you know you you see things at 
like especially with this article that I read um, in this uh, magazine, there was so much commentary um, on this article, like f- 500 comments. A lot of the negative com- comments um, were coming from men. I, I mean, I don't... So what did the article say? Okay, so the article was talking about those five main fronts that feminism is still oh, yeah, fighting okay. on. Um, and it talked about... When, when it talked about violence against women, it, it mentioned some stats like 80, 80 to 90% of um, domestic violence victims are women. 80 to 90. 80 to 90% of the victims are women in domestically violent situations. Mm-hmm. Um uh, something around the to the tune of ninety um, percent of rape victims were women, um, perpetrated by men, mm. um, and there are a few comments by some guys that said that these were unrealistic and that that actually wasn't. And there was a few reasons that those kinds of stats were coming out, like um, men don't report domestic violence as much they don't report rape women often falsely allege rape these were inflating female inflating inflating that yeah these were some of the arguments against the statistics that were stated in the in the article um but then i read um some stats in response to this so like she was talking about from crime reports from police because apparently they also said that when police rock up at a house they normally go for the guy because there's just that idea that it's the bloke that's the perpetrator but actually out of every 10 um, men that are arrested eight of them ended up being charged with something out of every 10 women that were arrested three of them ended up being charged with something so there was more false arrests on women than what there were on guys 97% of um, sexual offences were, or like cautions by police, were given to males. 98% of prosecutions for sexual offences were against males in the crime stats, like from court. 99% of convictions of those found guilty were males that were found guilty. And 54% of rapes were committed by current or former partners. Okay. Is that UK stats? Yeah. Um, so one of the arguments was it's harder for men to report because there's much more of a taboo for men. But they found that men are more likely to be the ones to call the police in a domestically violent situation. And men are more likely, they're more likely to, to say, yes, I want to press charges against her for yep, like yep. scratching me across the face. And they're, more, they're less likely to drop charges than women. Were there any stats about... Um did you read about frivolous? Yes. So, um, the, the claims that there was a rape when there wasn't. Okay, so 7% of all rape claims were found to be unfounded. Seven? That's actually... That's not a small number. Well, it is when you consider that 93% of the rest were like, it actually happened. It's not like... It's not going to affect the stats that much when they say like, 90% of women... 90% of rape victims are women. And they say, mm. oh, it only looks like that because women say that they're raped when they weren't. Like, mm. that's not really true. Mm. Um, yeah, so I thought those 
those were interesting, which kind of like leads us into a bit of the post-feminist point of view. Do you want to talk about that first before we talk about traditionalists? Well, I don't have much on traditionalists, really. We can talk about that. I mean... We know what they believe in. They believe in traditional roles. Yeah. <laughs> well, a fairly um, prominent traditionalist in the States is Pat Robertson. Uh, no longer with us, but he um, his notions of feminism, and you can really sort of lump this in with the post-feminist as well, but his notions of feminism is that feminism encourages women to leave their husbands, kill their children, practice witchcraft, destroy capitalism, and become lesbians. <laughs> I think that's on the haters' side. <laughs> well, uh, Pat Robertson, is um, he's, he's a preacher. A fundamentalist preacher. Interesting. Interesting, because I did find a study that talked a lot about correlations between um, conservative political views and conservative religious views, and that they're much more likely to be believers in traditional gender roles. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's... And then the other example I had was um, Tony Abbott, and the myriad of comments that he's made I mean I'm not even going to talk about them like you can go unless you have them you can just go google what he said about this issue like like the whole notion that he his greatest contribution to women and why he you know should be lauded by humankind is is repealing the carbon tax so women have women more resources about household and women can have more resources to go buy, you know, buy a, uh, you know yeah. I like this one. I like this one. Quote, I think it would be folly to expect that women will ever dominate or even approach equal representation in a large number of areas simply because their aptitudes, abilities, and interests are different for physiological reasons. Now, people, if you don't know this, Tony Abbott is the current Prime Minister of Australia. He's also the Minister for Women. <laughs> Interestingly, because he has done a lot for women with the car- repealing the carbon tax, even though equal equal pay has um, what, what am I trying to say? The even pay though gap has widened. the ca- the pay gap has widened by seven percent since he's been the uh, country's leader, from ten percent to seventeen percent in three years, that's quite shocking for the minister of women. Sorry, times. <laughs> Doesn't mean he's the Minister of Women in a positive way. And now, a word from our sponsors. The 2016 election is just around the corner and it could be a close one. Do you find the whims of the populace drive you insane on that first Tuesday after the 1st of November? Do you need that extra little edge to tip you into office? Well, look no further. The George W. Bush voting machine is the perfect tool when you can't rely on gerrymandering or good old-fashioned riot squads to tease out the election result you need. The George W. Bush is the voting machine for the discerning state electoral commission, fully customizable to suit your needs. Hanging chads, confusing butterfly ballots, lost results, no problem. The George W. Bush will do it all and without all that media fuss. And if you call within the next 24 hours, electoral commissions in Florida and Ohio and states with governors named Jeb will receive a 20% discount. And because we're a fair and balanced company, we now bring you the Democrat XV1500 complete with a guilt-free self-destruct button if things get too hairy for the bleeding heart softy. So log on to our website www.screwyoualgore.com and get your real election campaign underway today. 
So, let's talk about the final... Final category, post-feminism, anti-feminism. Um, you could maybe lump haters in there as well, but I don't really think that does post-feminists justice because I wouldn't necessarily classify post-feminists as haters. I don't think they're haters. I don't think they're haters either. Anyway. Um, what, 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 do they, what do they believe? Well, so I read an article um, by a woman named Rachel Fudge. Uh, she write, She was writing in this instance for Bitch Magazine. The article was titled Everything You Wanted to Know About Feminism But Were Afraid to Ask or something of that nature. Um, post-feminism, uh, and this is sort of reading verbatim, um, is the notion that feminist movement has outlived its usefulness because, after all, we have, few, we have a few female senators. It's illegal to discriminate against women in job hiring. There's a women's pro basketball league and a record number of women are attending college. So... What she's saying there, I think, represents one side of post-feminism. That we have achieved, that feminism has achieved, achieved its goals. Um, let's, all, let's all go home now. There's this other notion of post-feminism that goes the other way. That feminism failed, therefore we should let it all go. Those sort of views are embodied by um, a conservative talk show host uh, named Rush Limbaugh. He's in the States. Um, for you Australian listeners, if you don't know him. The things that... that so I have some pretty uh, interesting things that he said. Most recently, there was an incident... Uh, an organization called Hollaback posted a video on YouTube and various other social media sites of a woman walking down the streets of New York City for about 8 to 10 hours, I think. And sort of documenting, video documenting all of the catcalling and the whistling and the comments and, and um, harassment that she received. Now, Rush Limbaugh, his views on this are um, something of this nature that, uh, um, and again, sort of quoting verbatim. So what we're living in here in the middle of is a failure, a massive failure of modern day feminism. Modern-day feminism was going to protect women from this kind of mean-spirited, mean-spirited, extremist, boorish, predatory behavior, and it hasn't. So, by that argument, um, feminism's fa failed. We, again, should all go home. Mm. And then there's, you know, the other argument, which is we should keep fighting. Well, no, no, that, that's sort of the garden variety. Well, yeah, that's yeah, feminism. Yeah, it is. That's, that's feminism, feminism, whatever form it takes. Yeah. But... I don't think that those actually, those I think sort of sum up generally sort of the two points of view of post-feminism. Yeah. All right. So here's a post-feminist for you. His name is Satoshi Kanazawa. He, uh, he's a psychologist at a prominent university in the UK. And he wrote uh, an article in the Scientific Fundamentalist a few years ago um, saying why he doesn't agree with feminism or why he's a post-feminist. And the three things that he says about feminism that he's... These are the reasons that he doesn't like it is one, it's illogical. Two, it's unnecessary. And three, it's evil. Um, illogical because... Um, it's based on an incorrect assumption that men and women should be identical. And that makes it doomed to failure. I think that he's kind of getting it wrong 
there because no one is really saying that we're identical, but but I think equal is the I think equal treatment. Equal treatment. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And and I think that there's a bit of confusion there about um what the position of feminism actually is. Um, unnecessary because um it says that women are and have historically always been worse off than men when actually um women live longer <laughs> I just, laughed I laughed just, at that too they just have to suffer more that's what yeah, that well, means. This is like it's a complete it's a biological they suffer for longer thing. yeah than this exactly exactly it's got nothing to do with it, like how you're treated while you're alive he What's also says he also What's says that Ka- Satoshi Kanazawa Sorry, how Satoshi. this guy got a degree in psychology <laughs> anyway and then he says um the fact that women make less money than men can't by itself be evidence that women are worse off than men any more than the fact that men own fewer pairs of shoes than women cannot be evidence that men are worse off than women so again in your paper you're stereotyping women already so not off to a good start Satoshi he also says that um, men do control money politics and prestige but they do it so that they can impress women we don't because we don't have to because we control men. That, that's his contention there. Mm. Um, he also says in an earlier post, um, he said, you know, as I already said and I will say again, any reasonably attractive young woman exercises as much power over a man as the male ruler over the world does of women. So I guess if you're unattractive <laughs> or you're over 30 <laughs> and you're a woman... Yeah, no Forget it. <laughs> you may as well be dead. Um, but anyway, finally he says that it's evil because ultimately it makes women and men unhappy because um, the unhappiness rating 35 years ago was lower than it is today. No correlation at all scientifically has been made for that to feminism. Well so, argued, Satoshi. Well argued. Yeah. Um, so, that's what Satoshi thinks. Anyway. But not all uh, post-feminists are men. Um, I think that there's a large uh, contingency of, of the female presence in post-feminism. Um, just as sort of a random sample, it may not be that random, but I found this Tumblr site, Women Against Feminism, and it's sort of going to sum up my position on post-feminism and kind of the, the whole feminist movement in general. Building with a, to a climax of why I don't know whether I'm a feminist or not. But anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. So this Tumblr uh, website is a bunch of pictures, pictures of women holding up signs. A lot of them do refer to modern day feminism. I'm presumed third wave feminism or even second wave but they give all these reasons of why they don't need feminism I think that's the basic premise I'm going to sum up some of them from the perspective from <clears throat> the reasons um, the, from the reasons behind what what they're saying so they're saying for example um, I'm I don't need feminism because I don't need to be a victim so what I'm going to do though is sort of sum up their perspectives on feminism that drive that statement why they don't need feminism. Um, 
Feminists think men are the enemy. Feminists think men and women are viewed differently under the law. Again, these aren't the actual words that they're saying. They're my interpretations of why they've said this. Feminists want to divide people. Feminists think all men are rapists. Feminists are hostile and unnecessarily combative. Feminists are against femininity and cosmetic beautification. Feminists think women are oppressed when they are not. Feminists don't think women can succeed individually. Fe feminism is just another problem. Feminists want to politicize gender. Feminism is a theory and practice of victimization. Feminists think women should work rather than stay at home. Feminists want to represent all women. And then I came across a, a quote from that one of these women posted um, as a justification for why she's against feminism. It's a, a John Dewey quote. It's not specific to um, feminism so far as I know. I've not actually viewed the source of it. But it says that, for in spite of itself, any movement that thinks and acts in terms of an ism becomes so involved in reaction against other isms that it is unwittingly controlled by them. For it then forms its principles by reaction against them instead of comprehensive, constructive survey of actual needs, problems, and possibilities. And to me, I think that's exactly what's going on in this instance. This website, the whole notions of post-feminism, the backlash against it has become a reaction. People who are opposed to feminists, not necessarily post-feminists, but people who are specifically opposed to feminism want this. They want websites like this of people um, being divided. I mean, that's one of the specific reasons on this website is, is that the reasoning behind what they said. Feminists want to divide people. And this website is, is an instance of when it has divided people. Why? Why is it dividing people? <coughs> well, we go back to the initial clip that we ran on Thank You for Smoking. Because, you know, they're waving their left hand over here when all the action's really gone on over here on the right. Or whatever. I don't mean to make any sort of left and right political um, mm. implications there. But it's completely detracting from the real argument. And what Which feminism is? and what feminism what the objectives are for fem feminism Which thereby is? derailing <clears throat> derailing its efforts um, and you're not even talking about the issues anymore you're not talking about the pay scale you're not talking about glass ceilings you're not talking about rape you know the issue is feminism i've never really identified as a feminist either but its objectives are more in line with what i view this world should be it's a human rights issue we're not even talking about human rights. Yeah. You know, we're talking about, you know, people who don't shave their armpits or... And you focus again on the minority. You focus again on the minority. And, and in that instant, and that's... And so feminism has become, you know, the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> they've, they've, tried to, they've tried to do good. And even women turn against it. And they've become vilified. And the word is now pejorative. To the point where... I don't know what percentage of the people would identify as feminists. I do. 28% of Americans identified themselves as okay. feminist when asked. That's actually not yeah. bad. Um, well, <laughs> it's it's dropped. Um, it's dropped a lot since the I mean, second it's wave. I would have guessed. Yeah. 
Uh, 28% only. Well, when you think about, like, what's the percentage that are women, it should be 50%, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. So, it's so like even half women of women. Yeah. All, like, you know, anyway. And then, but then when asked if they supported um, women's rights, um, equal pay, equal opportunities, things like that, in, like, particular, um, it rose to 56 that's low so the feminism identification seems surprisingly high and the you know the goals the, the current goals, goals of the feminist is movement is, is fairly low, low. How, can, how, can, how can you respond to a question do women deserve equal pay <laughs> <laughs> tick the no box it's unbelievable to me well we don't i guess we don't know the specifics of how it was worded may it could it could be i mean I would like to give the researchers the benefit of the doubt in this one and they worded it appropriately, mm. but I guess we don't really know. Mm. But anyway... I, <clears throat> I think that's a nice um, conclusion that you've come to, that it's not about feminism anymore and what they're fighting for. It's about division. Yeah. Well, and furthermore, like, <clears throat> um, it has made me think that feminism has lost... At no. least for the at least for the time being, you know I. And in that sense, you know, it makes me wonder whether it's worthwhile to identify as a feminism. Now, it's it's simply just a word. I think it's worthwhile identifying <laughs> with advocating for women's rights. Well, but I think that that's you know this this website uh, this Tumblr website. I think that all of those you know, or most of those women embody a lot of those values as well. It's not like they don't think that things are all hunky-dory. Some of them probably do, but but I think... It's just maybe the word has become... The word is nasty. The thing is, like... And, and... What, you know, this is what always happens with... And when you talk about language and gender, and this is a whole other topic, but when, when you think about the language that expresses the female, it always becomes... A derogatory term like reclaiming the word cunt basically. like rec- look yeah like re- reclaiming cunt but instead of look instead of trying to reclaim cunt let's start with feminism <laughs> let's reclaim it yeah. you know like that's that was the, the the movement that was the the first steps towards human rights for women. and i don't even think it's one of those issues where a friend of mine in college used to say <clears throat> to you know again having gone to the university of oregon all of the hippies who would be out there um, protesting or demonstrating against something. You know, if they cleaned up their act, if they cut their hair, if they dressed in suits, someone actually might listen to them. This isn't a case of that. This is a case of there is a... There's not even... It doesn't even seem like there's an organized movement against it. It just seems like it's one of those things that pisses these people off so they can say, fuck you bitches yeah you're going down and then and they and and they just go to all ends to to make that happen yeah but then there you know i think there is a really um awesome movement that you know with like contemporary female writers like isabella yende and speeches that she makes when she moves around the world and i think that those those types of women are great role models for feminism and they they embody feminism the way that it should be embodied advocating for human Mm. rights for women 
Okay. I'm done. Right here. Let's see who we pissed off after this one. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Jazz. <laughs>